This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is political theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. You may have heard the television promos NBC does that go something like this. If it's Sunday, it's Meet the Press, a reminder to tune into the network's flagship talk show. Well, around here at Political Theater, we've got a similar saying. If it's September, it's government meltdown time. Under the best of circumstances, September is a stressful time around Washington. Congress, for the most part, never passes its spending bills on time for the September 30th end of the fiscal year. They also leave themselves little time for the rest of the month to resolve any differences, putting everyone on government shutdown alert on a regular basis. So it's always stressful in September. And now House Republicans have decided to make things even more difficult to manage by opening up an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, which regardless of which side of the aisle or building one is on, will suck up a lot of political oxygen. These two issues, potential government shutdown and another presidential impeachment inquiry, the third in four years, will likely affect the 2024 campaign cycle, which is a great segue to welcoming our guest. We're going to discuss these topics with our colleague Nathan Gonzalez, Roll Call's campaign analyst and the publisher of Inside Elections, as well as another wild card on the congressional elections next year, redistricting. Nathan, welcome to Political Theater. Jason, always a pleasure. Anytime you call, I will pick up the phone. <laughs> I, don't, I only text everybody else, but I will, I will okay, answer I was, your I was going to say, like, that, that sounds like it's very grandparenty of you uh, to, to actually pick up the phone. <laughs> um, I'm, getting, I'm getting old. That's not a secret. So we'll, I'll, I'll embrace it. Um, I, I might add that this is a, an, uh, a, a big moment for political theater history. Uh, this is not just our 299th episode of political theater, uh, but this is our first video episode as well, uh, and so we are uh, we're, we're, we're we are maybe latecomers, but we hope that this is something where people can catch up to us. And uh, and I think that you know, gi- given all my guests, you are absolutely the most appropriate person to help uh, usher in this new era of political theater. I'm <laughs> super glad that you uh, agreed to come on today. Naturally, I, I'm so glad, Jason, that when you thought, let's go video, who is the first person we should have <laughs> on video? And, and and I came to mind. So I really, I, w- I really feel privileged. By yeah, that. I, I will say, I mean, uh, confession, like Margot Robbie did, ch- uh, you know, she did turn us down. Uh, so you know, take that as it will. I mean, I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings too much. It's all um, right. But, it wouldn't uh, be the first time. Okay. <laughs> that you've been, uh, you, you've slotted in for Margot Robbie. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I think also before we get to the very serious issues of impeachment, shutdowns, 
um, you know, the 2024 election, redistricting. We should talk just a little bit because this is now a video um, uh, medium as well about our fashion choices. Uh, so, I mean, this, for anyone who knows me, they know that, that this is uh, not just uh, an homage to the the late, great Jimmy Buffett, but this is the kind of uh, clothing I wear all the time. This is an Aloha shirt from Ren Spooner. Um, it is business casual in Hawaii, at least. Uh, and so I stick to that here in D.C. But Nathan, talk about your T-shirt, because I, uh, as, as you pointed out in our, our off mic moment, I did not know what Blue Harvest was. And it's an, an amazing T-shirt. So, yeah, so Blue Harvest was the uh, the fake name created when Return of the Jedi was being filmed. Uh, they were trying to throw people off the tracks of the other two movies, people that might be interested. So Blue Harvest, the subtitle was Horror Beyond Imagination, uh, which later we didn't know would be identified as the prequels. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm uh, decided to make a statement, I guess, today with with my Blue Harvest shirt and horror beyond the imagination. That could be like the prospect of listening to several episodes of political theater all at once. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. It all it all fits works together. So it's the tagline uh, for uh, the, our, for a uh, successful uh, podcast. Um, and also, I, I might I might point out too that even though I didn't know Blue Harvest, I also know that up until the last moment, for the most part, it was Revenge of the Jedi. Uh, that was going to be the title. Uh, uh, and then George Lucas and other people say, but Jedi shouldn't want to get revenge. So let's just talk about return. It's very, it's a very positive moment, you know, for, for the star Wars universe. <laughs> and little do we know it might, might've been uh, the end of the best. We, we could also talk about, uh, I realized that my star Wars episode one action figures this summer, I found out they were worth basically nothing. Yeah, uh, but yep. we'll we'll save that for later. Yeah, not, not unless they're in the box, and at that point, even no, they even were the, even then they're not. Yeah, still that, not know. worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> they were worth my my sons opening them up and playing with them twenty five years after I bought them. Yep, so. that's pretty much all they are. You know, they're just there for they're tactile things, right? Um, so here it is. It we are recording this on September twelfth. Um, the house was, uh, scheduled to come in at, at noon. They did not even make it to the official gaveling back in from their, uh, several weeks long August recess before Kevin McCarthy went to the, um, uh, you know, the rotunda and, and, and announced that there was going to be an impeachment inquiry into president Joe Biden. Um, this is, you know, kind of widely seen as McCarthy, you know, you know, having a, a struck a deal with the House Freedom Caucus uh, in any of them. Uh, part of the deal of him becoming speaker earlier this year was that they there was a lower threshold for them to uh, force votes to oust him. Um, uh, the the, uh, um, you know, part of the, the deal in getting him elected speaker. And so, uh, you know, wh- whether whether this was a direct quid pro quo we don't know. Um, it seems that McCarthy could have announced something like this uh, at any point over the summer, knowing where this was going. But he chose this moment, and then a few moments later, uh, you know, a little over an hour later, Matt Gates, one of his primary uh, antagonists in the House Freedom Caucus, announced that if he were to bring a continuing resolution uh, to the to the House floor to fund government past September 30th, that he would force these you know votes to oust McCarthy, uh, maybe even on a daily basis. So it doesn't seem like. Uh, it seems like these two issues uh, are are tracking uh, simultaneously: <laughs> the impeachment inquiry, the shutdown. And from your perspective, as as someone who studies elections and the things that influence our our campaigns, um, you know, is 
what are the, what are let's let's take them one at a time. Let's take the yeah. impeachment inquiry. We're over a year out from you know from from the 2024 election. We do have some elections in the fall in Virginia and Kentucky and and, and so forth, uh, uh, Louisiana. But there, you know, let's talk about the 2024 election and what the effect this might have. Yeah, well, uh, first I think we're headed for an inquiry. We'll see if McCarthy ends up having the votes for impeachment. But I think you, we are seeing and feeling a very emboldened House majority. Uh, and and I, the reason why I believe that we're headed at least for the inquiry is because we're hearing it from the top down. I just read releases from Tom Emmer, Elise Stefanik. You know, these are not the Freedom Caucus, you know, group. These are members of the of the Republican leadership team uh, that are that are calling for this inquiry. Uh Republicans, I think, feel a responsibility to use their investigative uh, power as the majority. And there's probably a little bit of revenge and retribution uh, because of what happened with President Trump. I am not equating these things. I'm just saying that there is, I think there's some of that mindset within the Republican Party. And I don't think that there, I don't feel a fear from Republicans that they will be penalized in 2024. I don't think they're Thinking about well, what if uh, this is the the mid '90s again with House Republicans and Newt Gingrich and President Bill Clinton? I don't really get that sense at all. The the feeling is I'm f- getting from Republicans is that the more they can drive down President Biden, the trust in President Biden and his job approval rating, the better off they're going to be up and down the ballot in 2024. Now. I mean, obviously McCarthy, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's got his perspective on that, which, which is, I think, largely tracks with what you just said and his leadership team, Tom Emmer, at least Stefanik, Steve Scalise, I'm, I'm, you know, guessing, you know, right, right down the line. However, you know, they have a very slim majority. They, you know, they have, you know, five, five seats to spare. Um, so the leadership, you know, is, is in tune with the Freedom Caucus because they know that, you know, that this is the, you know, this is the drill. But what does like Mike Lawler in New York think? <laughs> what does Mike Garcia in, in California think? These are the people who make the majority for the Republicans. Matt Gates is not in any danger whatsoever, uh, you know, from, you know, to, to be defeated in, in a primary or in a general election in, in Florida. But Lawler is a freshman. You know, Mar- Garcia has run a couple of like, you know, close races. These these are the types where the majority is made. And I can't help but think that they would rather be talking about much more like bread and butter issues like veterans and, you know, more ships for the military and more funding for cops, you know, in the village hamlet and so forth or in in an orange county. Um, Doesn't isn't that where the risk is, you know, in in terms because the margins are so small at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. It is not clear that Republicans have the votes to to go through, to go beyond the inquiry and to actually uh, impeach on the on the House side. I Republicans believe, you know, that they can do multiple things at one time, right? They can have an inquiry into Biden and in the entire family, and they can also talk about the economy, crime, the border, immigration, all the things they want to talk about. What they might be underestimating is us as members of the media and our ability to cover two things at one time. And if there's a, a, a public congressional inquiry on Biden going on with, with testimony, and there's a press conference by a Republican member on the border, like which one is the media going to cover? Of course, they're going to cover the, the the hearing or the inquiry. And so Republicans risk looking out of touch or losing focus on some of those 
economic issues or security issues if they look overly focused on Hunter Biden and the entire Biden family. And and we also might know too that I mean I, we I, I don't think we need to get necessarily into the um, multiple court cases against the former president Donald Trump, but that will also compete for a lot of airtime as well. And so you know if you're I mean just simply if you're a news director or an editor in chief or a political you know um, you know correspondent, there are as you said only so many things you can you know <laughs> you can pay attention to if you've got this you know almost like OJ trial kind of situation going on in Georgia and then you've got two trials in DC and one in New York. Um, I mean, that's a lot to keep track of. And then on top of that, an impeachment inquiry. Yes, I, I agree with you. I don't think that they're going to get a lot of traction necessarily from, you know, when Mitch McConnell says, you know, Democratic, you know, mayors are soft on crime and da, 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 you know, in which is, you know, part of his leadership repertoire. He'd, he would like to keep that the, the focus on those sort of issues because he knows that that's, that's where Democrats probably have some real vulnerabilities, particularly in red states uh, for, yeah. for the Senate. Um, it's kind yeah. of a be careful, be careful what you wish for, right? They're going to go, I think they're going to go forward with an inquiry and they say, well, why does the media only want to talk about the inquiry? Like, well, you, <laughs> you, you guys are the ones that started this. And, and we should say that it, Part of it should depend on what comes out of this, right? I mean, what what is revealed or unveiled that maybe the public doesn't know? You know, that could have an impact either way. If 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 it kind of comes up empty and it looks like a, a kind of a loose collection of data, or if there's something substantive that they find, I, I think we need to be open minded about the outcome uh, of what an investigation or inquiry reveals and how it could impact 2024 as well. And I will say, you know, to handicap that a little bit too, it seems like, you know, it's, it's not as if the, you know, the, the folks at the house judiciary committee and oversight, um, committee and, and ways and means have been sitting on their hands, uh, in this, they've been spending a lot of time, you know, uh, uh, you know, trying to turn up some dirt, on, on the Bidens and what they have, you know, like McCarthy kind of got into that in his press conference, what they have is, as I think as you, you called it a, a sort of a loose collection of anecdotes that seem kind of weird and shady, but it's not, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton there at this point. Now, you know, later on this month, prosecutors say that they will charge Hunter Biden, the, the, the president's son, um, probably on a gun charge. That is you know, probably not going to factor into the, I don't think Hunter uh, Biden is going to get elected president. I'm right. going to come out and say um, it right now. Um, but you know, it just seems like the, the risk on it is that the more, the more they look and the more this, this is people are asking questions and the more, the less it brings up, the more fatigue can set in too. Uh, and, and that's where people get a little antsy. I mean, I, I'm loath to say, this is what the effect of the, the the two Trump impeachments, you know, were, and this is what the effect of the Clinton impeachment was, and the Nixon, you know, impeachment. I mean, Nick, Nixon might as well have been the, the Nixon impeachment inquiry, which didn't even come up for a vote on the House floor, um, or the, the inquiry did, but the articles of impeachment didn't come up because he resigned. That feels like it could have been a hundred thousand years ago. So I, I think that we we kind <laughs> of, you know, I mean. You know, I think we relegate ourselves to talking about maybe about Clinton and Trump and and now Biden, um, but it's not entirely clear um, what some of the effects of this are. I mean, certainly we can look at how they did in the next election, um, 
but it it's it 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 is a it's a wild card if you know t- sorry to use that again i i talked about that with redistricting in the in the intro but it seems like we're it, it is not obvious where this is heading and what the political effect will be right and and it will be it will be some of the deals that we believe Speaker McCarthy made, we're not sure about the details, right? I mean, how long did he promise a certain amount of time for this to go on? Or did he was there a vote promised? Or does this carry on for a few weeks and then sort of they move on to other things that they that they wanna that they wanna talk about? Uh, I don't know. There's, I'm supposed to know, I guess, but I, there's a lot of, it is not clear. Uh, hey, you got a Blue Harvest t-shirt on. This It's just shoot from the hip on, on this on this show. <laughs> now people are watching. They're not just listening. They're watching. There's a lot of pressure here, Jason. That's right. I, I've, I've, I've thought about this now because I'm, I'm seeing myself in the small little window. I was like, wow, I use a lot of hand gestures. So, um, so let's move on to the shutdown, uh, the shutdown showdown, uh, as our, our, our former colleague, uh, Steve Dennis used to say a lot. I think he probably still does say it. Uh, hi, Steve, if you're listening or watching. We are frequently in the shutdown showdown. Uh, I, I don't know if CNN has started to put up its shutdown clocks yet. Uh, usually they wait until the, the Ides of September to do such a thing. But it seems like, you know, that's not new that we are heading for, you know, like preparations for a shutdown. What is new uh, is that there doesn't seem to be anything that people can do to avoid it because of, of again, you know, very small margins of error uh, in, in the House. Senate Republicans are kind of on board with Senate Democrats and saying like, hey, look, we reported all of our bills. We're going to start considering them. We're going to pass them. This is the way you do this. Like, let's just fund the government. And, you know, with the implicit you know, understanding that there is at least the this thought that Republicans typically get blamed for shutdowns, whether that is true or not. And, and who, who believes that is, you know, is up for debate. But there is that perception, particularly even on Capitol Hill, that Republicans feel like they always get blamed for a shutdown regardless, even if they're they're in the right. Um, so we have this added flavor, you know, where. You know, Matt Gates and the, and the Freedom Caucus say that they they could possibly even vote to oust McCarthy if he doesn't do exactly what they say. You know, on on appropriations, is this something that the public can, can latch onto? Because I I'm skeptical about it, but I also see that it we're in kind of extraordinary times with all these wildfires. I mean, we've got a lot of things that we need to fund, right? Yeah, well, we we are headed for a shutdown. We're going to have a shutdown, Jason, because right the way things are structured or the the negotiations or argument is structured now. Anything short of a shutdown would be considered surrender by House Republicans, or Republicans would consider that surrendering that they didn't get anything out of the prospect. So they want to, you know, come to come to Washington after recess, make a point. Uh, they already. We have to remember that for many of them. Any government shutting down is a positive, right? They don't. They want to limit the size, scope, and some government agencies altogether. So having it shut down for a period of time is not a big deal. And we have had shutdowns, and the government or our country has not collapsed. So that decreases the urgency of a shutdown. Will a shutdown be a big factor in the 2024 election? I'm skeptical. Uh, We are going to have so many news developments happen between between a shutdown and the November election. We've talked about a lot of them, maybe multiple trials, uh, an an impeachment inquiry and potential vote. Who knows? International. Got a war on still. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I mean, it's going to. So I uh, I'm skeptical. If we're talking about a shutdown 
in 2024. That's probably good news for Democrats. Uh, but I just, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. But in that saying that, that could also embolden Republicans this fall to sort of drag things out or get what they want out of, out of this process because they don't feel the political risk uh, of a shutdown. And should note that there, there have, uh, even with all of the threats, there haven't been that many shutdowns in the, in the last few years. Um, and of course the, 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 the bat last major one was, uh, in 2018. Um, you know, Republicans <laughs> controlled all, all of government. They, they controlled <laughs> the white house and, and the house and the Senate and Trump still, uh, you know, was, was pushing for, you know, it, it was, it was largely a, a dispute over border security. Uh, the government shut down for a little over a month. One of my favorite ones, though, was 2010, I believe. Uh, and that was uh, Republicans kind of followed Ted Cruz. 2013, uh, in, actually. Into the into the um, into the shutdown. And then there was a reports of a after, you know, after the shutdown reports of the private meeting with senators. And I looked to Senator Cruz and said, all right, what's next? And. No idea. <laughs> no, no plan. But then it government and Republicans were though set up to um, uh, set up to be blamed. But then there was the healthcare.gov rollout. So this was earlier and the healthcare.gov web rollout was just a fiasco. I mean, yeah. it was a disaster and it took all the news off of the shutdown and Republicans and onto, uh, you know, the ineptness that was that initial, that initial website. So, uh, things, things happen. Yeah. I mean, I'll note, you know, in 2018, after the 2018 shutdown in January, Republicans lost the house, um, by, by a lot. Uh, but then they gained a couple of seats in the, in the Senate, you know, partially, you know, that that's, that's part of like the way the map was. And as you said, in 2013, uh, despite the, the government shutdown, Republicans took back the Senate in the 2014 elections uh, and gained seats in the House. Uh, so, it, you know, it, mixed message there. I mean, people talk a lot about the 1990s, you know, 1995, 1996 shutdowns and how that helped Bill Clinton get reelected uh, and and that, you know, that, that you know, Republicans lost seats. I'm, I mean, again, you're start, we're almost starting to get into ancient history, you know, with, with you know, the, the 1990s, as much as that pains me to say. Uh, I think the more recent um, government shutdowns are a little more indicative that we don't know what the effect will be. And, and some of it just depends on the map. You know, um, I, I do think that um, shutdowns would have a different effect if things were actually shut down. If, if planes couldn't take off, if social right. security checks weren't mailed, if the military, you know, uh, couldn't gas up their tanks, you know, I mean, like, I, I think that would, that would change things immensely, uh, compared to the government shutdowns we have. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to disparage anybody who is not getting, you know, doesn't get paid afterwards. Um, and, and how disruptive that can be for these partial government shutdowns. But if, if Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security stopped operating during a shutdown, I don't think that we would ever have a shutdown. Or if we right. did, the, the people who caused them would not have jobs for much longer. Right. Yeah. I mean, the backlash would be more significant. The, the risk would be higher and thus the, the, the cost, the political stakes would be higher. And these members would think very differently about it if the if the impact were different. Um. Let's talk about redistricting now. Uh, we got some news earlier this week because um, you know, Alabama has been in this standoff with the judiciary about its congressional maps. The Supreme Court uh, found that the the, the current the, the map that they 
they came up with for the after redistricting and put into place uh, last year uh, violated the Voting Rights Act. They were told they need to redraw it, uh, particularly so that you know a minority, you know, there could be another minority district um, uh, that uh, was at least in play. Alabama the legislature and the governor said, eh, no, thanks. Uh, <laughs> largely. Well, they said, well, uh, they said 40% is pretty close to 50% right. or more. Right. right. <laughs> we were struggling uh, it, with some math details in Alabama. Right. Yeah. Ma- yeah. Ma- interesting yet, yet uh, uh, like slightly off on the calculations. Uh, so again, you know, went, went to co- went to court again, uh, federal judges, not particularly uh, swayed by the Alabama legislature and governor, uh, said like special master gets to re- you know draw this map. Uh, Arizona, uh, Alabama Republicans have now asked the Supreme Court to intervene. So I mean that's just one example of some redistricting foibles that we're keeping track of because what we're talking about is one seat. Although we shouldn't underestimate the value of well, one need, more seat. Democrats need five. Yeah, yeah Democrats five. Need, um, but we've got you know a, a potential redrawing in North Carolina, uh, which is you know largely. Reflecting now, um, it's it's split personality as as a you know as a as a swing state you know with the congressional delegation uh, that may be redrawn to favor Republicans again. Ohio is under an order that they need to um, redraw their maps to more accurately reflect the population and voting patterns. New York may have another thing. So this this may have the one of the biggest effects, but we just don't know at this point, right? right? A lot of moving pieces, a lot of court cases. I think when we break it down sitting here today, uh, Alabama looks like it will be a plus one for Democrats. Um, that decision probably does impact Louisiana, uh, maybe Georgia, but it's really looking uns- uh, less likely that they will have new maps for 2024, maybe in the future. Uh, Republicans are going to redraw the maps in North Carolina. I would expect a plus three for Republicans in North Carolina. They were going to reach for four, but the Supreme Court decision that impacted Alabama probably saved them from going after Don Davis's seat and kind of limiting what they tried to do there. Uh, New York, let's keep it with the wild card. We're heading into baseball offseason, so let's just use wild card (laughs) as much as possible. Um, The wild card is New York. Uh, New York Republicans had a great 2022, picking up multiple seats. So they have multiple vulnerable Republican incumbents and uh, just the way the map is now. But Democrats... there may be a there may still may be a new map that makes a lot of those districts even a few points better for Democrats, making Republicans more vulnerable. So that would almost uh, that could wash away any gains that Republicans take out of North Carolina and kind of be a net wash. But if New York stays the same, then on redistricting, Republicans could pick up a couple of seats, uh, could pick up a couple of seats this cycle. Yeah, it's uh, it's enough to make your head hurt. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, and we are getting closer. I mean, it depends on the state and the filing deadlines, but you know, we are almost a year from election from the general election day. But we have to remember that states have to have primaries, and then before that, filing deadlines, and and so the the, the calendar starts to get a lot shorter as we creep closer to election day. Yeah, and and you know, again, I, I kind of you know like like I want to pick up on what you were saying about New York too, under. If there was n- not even the the possibility of 
you know, a, a redrawing of the maps to make some of these Republican pickup seats more Democratic. There's still the possibility that some of these Republicans would lose. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, George Santos represents Long Island. Uh, you know, Correct. Mike Lawler is in a very tough, you know, even evenly split district. I mean, a lot of those, you know, Hudson Valley seats that went Republican, um, you know, are yeah. under under normal circumstances would be, you know, possible d- Democratic pickups. So adding just a few more voters, you know, from one side of the river or the next uh, is is something that could definitely, you know. You know, just an added layer of complexity. To yeah, consider. and add in Anthony D'Esposito as well. Uh, but New York is a is one place where Democrats are very energized about running in a presidential year. They mm-hmm. feel like turnout was depressed, or that they were hurt by uh, Governor Kathy Hochul in twenty twenty two up for reelection. She ended up winning, but she her numbers were depressed in part because of Republican. Uh, effective Republican messaging on crime, mm-hmm. uh, crime and violence. Uh, Lee, Lee Zeldin was a good candidate too. I mean, he 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 may have been the best candidate that they could have offered in a in a losing effort, and and I think you know he did like effectively get that message out. You know, right. to to uh, even if he didn't win. Right, and Democrats. So now, when we turn the page, Democrats are hoping or believing that. 2024 in a presidential year is going to be much better. They believe California is going to be much better in a presidential year where Newsom, Gavin, Governor Gavin Newsom won re-election, but his numbers were not where they not where they wanted them to be. And so member there are multiple Republic vulnerable Republican members. And you mentioned Mike Lawler. Mike Lawler, not only one of the most vulnerable Republicans, but remember when Biden went uh, out to near his district, it might have been just outside his district, and Democrats were fearful ahead of time that he might say something nice about Mike uh, Congressman <laughs> Lawler, and guess what happened? He did. He said, <laughs> he said that you know he's not like those other he's not like those other Republicans. I mean, President Biden gave him a a, a TV an ad, ad or an a ad. quote <laughs> that he can use, but. Bringing it full circle to our first topic, you know what? Then, then it's going to be hard. Lawler has done a good job of cultivating this moderate image, uh, but he is going to be faced with the reality. You could be faced with the reality of an impeachment vote, and if McCarthy, it seemed like it'd be tough for Lawler to make that vote and undo what he's already done. But uh, but that leaves McCarthy with you know at least a fewer vote that he needs to to actually pull through on this. Well, Nathan, I think we have uh, a lot for our, ourselves and our listeners and viewers uh, to, to chew on with uh, impeachment, the shutdown, uh, the impending shutdown, I should say. It's not, it hasn't happened yet, but just give it a little – give it a couple weeks, folks. Uh, and redistricting, uh, I, I think um, we're – I'm just going to go and, and you know – set up my viewing of blue harvest later on for tonight and, and, and call it, call it an episode here. It's a great way to, great way to kick off fall with uh, <laughs> return of the Jedi and shut down an impeachment <laughs> question. It's quite, quite a, quite a double, quite a double feature there. It shows that we are not normal people, Jason. I think that's what that shows. It, it does. Um, also, I would, I would mention too, that uh, I'd be remiss uh, in, in not uh, directing our, our, our readers and, and viewers and subscribers uh, and listeners to your work on on rollcall.com uh, uh, we're, we're about to, we will go up later on uh, with your uh, your latest which is about uh, some governors races and particularly governors who are front runners who have some hill connections some capital hill connections so uh, that that uh, 
check that out, even though we, uh, you know, we're out of time for that. That's another another podcast, perhaps. We got we have a lot more. This is only two hundred ninety nine. There are plenty more to come. <laughs> Um, but thank you very much for being a part of this, uh, you know, this, this moment in political theater history, Nathan, I appreciate it. You're, uh, I love your background. You know, you gotta, uh, it's, it's real it's, folks. Yeah. It's not, it's not fake. No, right. I honored, honored that you, every time you ask me to come on anytime. Uh, and thank you out there, uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, if you have liked this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, leave some comments in the YouTube section uh, t- talk, telling YouTube how much you love us. Let's get those algorithms working for us all. <laughs> and we will see you next time here on Political Theater. Political Theater.